This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, this is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs with the primary goal of eradicating learning poverty in Malaysia. Project Bacha Bacha concentrates on early literacy for children aged 6 to 9 from low-income families. The program aims to improve reading performance in Bahasa Melayu and English in particular by empowering individuals and groups of children with their language, literacy and communication skills in these two languages. So today on the show, I'm going to find out more about this from Dr. Logendra Stanley Ponaya. He's the director of the Impact Lab Education for All from Taylor's University, and Hema Lachamanan. She is the project leader of Project Baja Baja, also from Taylor's University. Welcome both of you. How are you today? Hey, fine. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Thank you, Julian, for the kind introduction. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. What a lovely uh, you know, initiative. Uh, very, very happy to, to hear that it's been uh, going and been going well. Uh, and we're going to talk about you know, what it is all about. I guess um, I was reading that this project was actually uh, initiated after there was a World Bank report which sort of revealed that 13% of students in Malaysia at late primary age were not proficient in reading. Am I correct? Is that sort of what sparked this program? Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons uh, inspired us was... Uh, Partly because reading is the key to all body of knowledge. If you can't read, then you have you have completely uh, limited to access to knowledge. And we also have read many studies to indicate that uh, ability to read on grade guarantees higher academic success. Mm-hmm. So this is relatively an easy thing, you know, especially uh, when you say just now six to ten. To teach people to read within grade 6 to 10 is relatively an easy task. It's not like uh, forming a, mic, a lab in a university or something where we're trying to teach thermodynamics. We're just teaching kids to read. Because uh, one of the difficulties of the school system is once you are at the end, end class and at the back of the class, you are literally back of the class for life. There is very little value adding in the school system because generally the teachers say that you're weak, go and sit at the back or go to the last class. And then in the last class, they are trying to cope. They teach you less, but the common exams are common. So you still continuously to do badly in exams. And then you are destined for life. I mean, you are penalized for life uh, being at the back. So one of the things that I and Hema was thinking about is if we can just help people to read at grade level, at least up to standard three. I mean, that's the 10-year-old benchmark. That will certainly guarantee a certain amount of success. You know, even if... uh, uh, maths. Mm. Many students, when they fail maths, it's not because they were failing maths. They just don't understand the question. Correct. Again, it comes back to reading. When they fail science, again, it comes back to reading. So reading is a very essential tool, but unfortunately, reading has its own uh, ups and downs in the sense that you your ability to read has correlation to the family you come from. If you, there's, there's a lot of reading in your house, they are likely that you will learn to read early and you will be able to cope. So if your home environment doesn't support reading, mm-hmm. uh, then you will be behind. And then, you are dest- as I said, you are penalized for life if you don't read on grade. So that is one of the reasons why uh, we started this. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ma, anything you wanted to add to what uh, uh, Logan just said? Yes. Um, see, we, we've had this reading crisis, reading problem, even before the pandemic. Correct. Uh, but what pandemic has done is that it has compounded the issue. In fact, um, in the US, uh, they've declared a reading emergency uh, in uh, in late 2020 uh, because of the extended school closure. Um, and what it does is that when 
students are not reading, children are not reading at grade level, um, it is that the, the effects are pretty dramatic when they uh, complete uh, primary school and they're not reading at grade level, then they are more likely to drop out because the transitioning is not going to be smooth. Correct. They are, there's going to be high absenteeism rate, losing interest in school, in reading, uh, and potentially earning less money uh, as adults as well. So because of this, we, we want to address the problem at its root cause uh, at the early years, uh, between six to nine, uh, and so that they are reading ready, reading prepared to tackle the more complex reading that they have to then deal with uh, when they go into upper primary. Because the transition um, from learning to read to reading to learn uh, is a significant milestone. And that usually happens between 9 to 10 years old when they transition from lower primary to upper primary. Uh, hence the project Baca Baca focusing on 6 to 9 year old children. Okay. And and like you said, you know, I mean, you, you brought up the pandemic and I think we can't help but talk about how that has impacted so many students, right? And um, we don't quite know what the effect of that is going to be. Uh, and it's not just uh, children from low-income communities, for example. You know, so many kids, like I can just tell you my own daughter, you know, two years of kindergarten, which was that essential age to sort of learn, gone, you know. And um, uh, like you said, uh, Dr. Logan, you know, she she knows how to answer. She knows what sh the questions, I mean, she, she doesn't do so great in exams because she doesn't actually understand what the questions are asking, even though. Right. Right. So it, it, it comes back to the ability to read. Yes. And 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 what Hema mentioned, the slogan for our project Bacha Bacha is learning to read, reading to learn. Yes. And that's a very crucial uh, sentence because in order for you to learn, you should be able to read. But in order to learn, you then you have to learn to read. Mm -hmm. you no, know, it's like uh, you know, it's like one of those recursive loop. If you don't get the loop right, uh, then you'll be, be penalized for life. Mm -hmm. Also, just to add on. In, in 2020, the UNESCO reported that um, in Malaysia, uh, the number of out-of-school children is uh, close to 47,000 uh, people, children. And uh, out-of-school adolescents, I think, uh, over 100,000, 165,000 or something. Yeah. And even though the literacy rate, as reported, is 95%, 96%. Uh, but you can see there is this contradicting information here. On one hand, we've got a large population of people who are supposed to be in school and not in school, uh, yet we're saying or we're claiming that the literacy rate is quite high. Right. So, 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 um, and they can be in school and yet not learning as well. Because if their starting point, because everybody starts at different level, and what the pandemic has done is that, you know, the starting point has just gone haywire. Yeah. So you missed out a large part of kindergarten, preschool. You missed out a large part of year one, year two, coming back to school. And you're all at different levels. Yet everybody needs to catch up to the curriculum. Mm -hmm. which is problematic. Yeah, and we're not even talking about sort of like different learning abilities or, or things like that, yeah. right? Which, you know... Uh, we... You know, another thing, uh, Julia, uh, is uh, our curriculum, standard one, year one curriculum, presuppose that you know how to read. Correct, <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, because the curriculum doesn't teach you to read in standard year one. Yeah, you're it, expected it, to learn that in kindergarten, yeah. isn't it? Mm. So if you don't come from... Uh, from a decent home who emphasizes reading, then 
you are starting with a disadvantage already in the school system. Mm-hmm. And like you said, right, it just sort of has this roll-on effect, right? You're, you're considered yeah. like slow or, you yeah. know, a weak student, you know, quote-unquote. Yeah. And then, like you said, like, you know, there's this streaming process and you're put in the last right. class. And unless you have like a teacher who, or, or somebody who really like takes an interest in like making right. you learn, it's, yeah, it becomes this very... But that is more cycle. of an anomaly, right? Yes. It's not going to happen. It's not, part, it's not designed as part of a system. It's more like a statistical outlier. Yes, you have an inspirational, <laughs> inspired teacher who want to make a difference. Ayoh, ayoh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's really okay. So, so that's kind of how Project Bacha Bacha started, yeah. right? So that's the uh, you saw this this gap that needed some filling, right? How yeah. did you guys sort of um, um like so? How does the program look like? Like how did you uh, get it off the ground and running? Uh, basically, yeah. Either of you who wants to take that? Yeah, actually, my instructor and I and him, I was talking about. Uh, we heard e-learning. The government school has started e-learning. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, everybody was doing uh, during the lockdown. But we also read a lot of research and findings about how ineffective it was. It's partly because the students were working with deficiency, right? And and in some parts of the uh, Malaysia, they didn't even have wi- decent Wi-Fi connectivity. So uh, I we kind of came up with an idea that you can teach someone to read with just mailing a copy of a book to the student and a volunteer with a book on 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 this side and just have a regular Nokia call. Because, you know, there was just a 2G phone is sufficient for this. I mean, th- that's how we started. Uh, we said, okay, we're going to print out some books. We're going to mail to a bunch of students. We're going to find volunteers on our side to read to them. Uh, and then eventually it became, you know, we are... Uh, Due to Hema's hard work, we managed to come up with multiple layers of complexity. <laughs> uh, we managed to get uh, sponsors to sponsor good reading material. Because good reading material and age-appropriate reading material is not e- easy to find. Um, so those, those are the initial uh, founding years. La. Then, of course, the whole desire was to get people to learn to read on time. So that's how we started off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I did mention also that uh, you work a lot with the lower income families and, uh, you know, kids from lower income groups, right? I mean, from the work that you've seen, um, what sort of challenges do they experience in particular, you know, which might be different from others? Actually, there's a term uh, by Baudet, it's called social capital. Mm. Uh, social capital is what the society around you has invested in you. Correct. So we all come from certain family background and they have invested certain kind of thinking onto us and and how we live this. So if you go to a typical uh, lower middle class or lower B40 group, right, you will not see many books. You will not see uh, the father figure reading or the mother figure reading. There will be no study table. Just culturally, they are not tuned to learning. It was something that you do in school. The biggest challenge for us is uh, these kind of things don't come for free. So what we do in our Project Bacha Bacha, we get good students, good volunteers to be the intervening factor. They they call in, they go in, and they become the variable that's going to make the change. Uh, because change cannot come authentically because, you know, if your mother can't read well or your father don't seem to enjoy reading, then who's going to read to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to validate your reading? Right. So those are the issues that we face, uh, the biggest challenge. Uh, okay. Where people come from homes, their learning is not natural. It's, n- it's not seen as a natural act. It's something that is limited to the school. So if you, when uh, I think Hema's team went to do some data collection, uh, 
Your typical house would be the parents, students come back from school, they lie down flat on the mat, and then they're just scribbling because they have not even prepared uh, learning spaces for them in the house. So you have a whole bunch of kids throw their bags on the floor, they lie down, they start scribbling a few things, and they finish as quick as possible, and then they leave. There's no structured teaching at home. And then the dependent, over-dependent on tuition teachers, which is another thing that most people can't afford. So, you know, so the students are not equipped to learn for themselves. At the same time, uh, subsidized learning is uh, very expensive. You know, when I say subsidized learning, I'm talking about things like tuition and all. So the students lose out in all in all. Mm-hmm. And of course, sometimes, you know, I mean, if, if they're coming from lower income uh, uh, groups, right, the parents are working continuously, isn't it? So they don't actually Correct. have uh, that kind the of capacity. Surplus. Yeah, that Correct. time. Yeah, I mean, as, as, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Himan, go no. ahead. Yeah, sorry, Julie. I think the problem is it's multifaceted, isn't it? It's it's not just one aspect that contributes to poor reading, right? And of course, when you come from low-income families, then families just have so many problems to deal with. Yeah, priority. Priority is that. Therefore, reading takes a backseat. Putting food on the table, making sure everybody's safe and accounted for and at home because the the neighborhood is pretty rough, that's priority. Uh, And if parents themselves are um, have low literacy level, then reading is intimidating. You can't expect them to sit and read with their child. Uh, reading bedtime stories; these things are more of a middle class um, uh, culture, and you know, so so um, it is not middle part class of privilege the repertoire <laughs> and privilege as well. Yeah, yeah, and so right. this is not part of their repertoire, their daily repertoire. And and so what we are doing in Project Bachibachi, besides teaching the child reading, is also engaging with the parents and raising the awareness. Uh, of reading, the importance of reading. Even if you can't read, that's fine. You listen to your child reading to you. Wonderful. At least the child has got somebody to read to, right? So let get the child to read aloud. Even if you don't understand what the child is reading, because the child is reading in English, therefore you can't correct the mistakes that the child uh, is making, that is fine. But at least create that reading um, habit, Mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. okay alright let's just go for a quick break guys when we come back let's talk about you know how you identify uh, those who uh, who join the program and you know who are the volunteers and uh, maybe I think you also are looking for some volunteers we'll talk about that after this quick break I'm speaking today to Dr. Logendra Stanley Ponaya he's the director of the Impact Lab Education for All from Taylor's University and Hema Lechiman and she's the project leader of Project Bacha Bacha Project Bacha Bacha concentrates on early literacy for children aged 6 to 9 from low income families we're finding out all about it today We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Gilead Jacobs. With me today on the line are Dr. Lagendra Stanley Ponaya. He's the Director of the Impact Lab Education for All from Taylor's University. Hema Lechamanan, Project Leader of Project Bacha Bacha, also from Taylor's University. We're talking about Project Bacha Bacha, which, as I mentioned earlier before the break, concentrates on early literacy for children aged 6 to 9 from low-income families. Uh, basically, the program wants to improve the reading performance in BM and English in particular by empowering children with their language literacy and 
and communication skills in these two languages. So um, as you guys, uh, so as we spoke about before the break, guys, so, you know, you saw that there was a gap that needed filling. Uh, you guys went in and, and started this project, uh, um, you know, really, uh, I think a passion project. I don't know if I'm wrong in saying that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. <laughs> Definitely a passion project. Talk to me a little bit. Um, so, we, you know, uh, we did talk about also the communities that you guys serve. So lower, uh, those from the lower income uh, groups, when, when you started Project Bacha Bacha, how did you sort of identify uh, the communities that you're going to serve? I mean, how was that sort of uh, targeted, if at all? Uh, we started in 2020. Uh, that was the first phase of the project. And uh, because it was a pilot project, so we started rather small with just 30 children uh, from a PPR, uh, Seri Alam in Cheras. So basically, it's just children from this community. Um, and they were identified by the community leaders there and parents who wanted their children to join. What we do then after, after they've given us the names is to conduct a diagnostic test to see where they are, their reading performance is currently. Um, and then we match them to a volunteer. We assign one volunteer to one child who then teaches reading uh, to the child for the period of six months. Uh, and we keep the reading sessions short, uh, 30 minutes per session, okay. because when it's done at a distance, either via telephone or a WhatsApp video call, um, very young children, after 30 minutes, they start looking around. <laughs> Maybe there's somebody else playing balls and watching TV and, you know, you get distracted. So we just sure. want to keep the momentum, 30 minutes. And um, we've got a very simple pedagogy that the volunteer uh, follows, uh, where the volunteer first reads, the child listens, and then the child reads, the volunteer listens, and then mm. they both read together. And then the volunteer checks for comprehension, uh, understanding, vocabulary, meaning. Uh, and that's wrap up 30 minutes per session. Okay. Okay. And so then, yeah, sorry. And then in 2021, we we expanded because like you asked if this is a passion project. Yes, it is a passion project. And so we expanded to 100 children, 100 volunteers. Uh, and um, so we uh, we had, uh, again, from Charas, we had a community from Banting, Klang, PJ, uh, all the way to Kota Balut, Sabah, wow. uh, a group of children from Kota Balut, Sabah. And, uh, and our volunteers come from pretty much everywhere, uh, all over Malaysia, some from Singapore, Brunei, Sarawak, Sabah, uh, all coming together, everyday Malaysians, uh, professionals, lawyers, doctors, engineers, teachers, university students, college students, secondary school students. In fact, Dr. Logan's daughter is also volunteering in the oh, project. She's, she's 14, 15 years old. So we've got secondary school students volunteering. Um, and I think this project, what, what is so heartwarming, besides, of course, getting children to read at grade level, um, is the, the true spirit of Malaysians. Um, we see a problem and we go in and we try to solve it. Uh, no questions asked. We just, you know, willing to commit sometime just two 30-minute sessions per week to do something, yeah. uh, you know. And, and I think at the core of it, this is, this is what Malaysia is, you know, this, this is, this is earth, basically, Malaysians. Yeah. I was just going to say, sorry, yeah, carry, yeah. On, carry on, Dr. Logan. The, the Koto Balut example is an, it's an interesting one because they have no Wi-Fi, right? They have very low bandwidth. Mm. So they have to run up the hill to receive oh, uh, signal. So during the, uh, the prescribed time, 
the student, the parent and the child has to move, walk up the hill to receive signals so they can continue the reading. So they are real. some parents are very committed because they see this as a, as probably a, 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 a life-changing experience to learn to read and efficiently to continue school. Mm-hmm. So uh, the quota bullet example is what Hema failed to mention just now was... Uh, it's uh, it's really uh, heartwarming. There's no parents are willing to walk walk up with the child just to receive this phone signal. Amazing, yeah. It's yeah, yeah because obviously, like you said, it's it's sort of a way of um, maybe a way of escaping the poverty, isn't it? A way of breaking Correct. that cycle, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, uh, and the vol- and I think what I was going to say is that it's lovely that you know um, it, it's online, right? So anyone can volunteer, like you said. So you've got volunteers from all over, and that that short time frame, you know, it doesn't seem as intimidating if you were a volunteer who wanted to, because it can seem quite intimidating, right, to want to yeah. teach students. Uh, you you don't quite know what's in store for you. So uh, you know, these are very sort of a, uh, uh, easily digestible time slots, and easily sort of like you can you know that you can sacrifice that time uh, if if you're keen on doing that. And you you mentioned your volunteers are from all over the world. Um, uh, talk to me a little bit about how one actually uh, becomes a volunteer. How can they actually like uh, come and support you guys if they were keen to do that? Uh, so so um, we have a sign-up form that they can uh, register their interest and we will then contact them. Uh, we have a short interview session where we get to know the volunteers and uh, their experiences. And even if they don't have any experience teaching that's absolutely fine because we provide training to all our volunteers we provide several trainings throughout the months uh, and we support them uh, with the reading material so all the reading materials uh, are already prepared and given to the volunteers and we train them on how to use these materials uh, so that, that's that's the starting point basically and also train them how to conduct these assessments because we have a diagnostic test we have a midterm test and then we have an um, end term test to see the progression of the child how the child is uh, improving uh, or not. And if the child is not improving, then are there any underlying causes, uh, Mm -hmm. whether it's a a reading uh, difficulty, uh, like dyslexia, for example, uh, which then if the volunteer uh, informs us, we would then... uh, channel it to the right department at Taylor's. We have um, a uh, department for psychology and they have a lab that uh, do testing uh, free for children from underprivileged families. So so then we can then channel them to these different, uh, you know, parties. So that's the starting point on how we uh, recruit our volunteers. Okay. And I guess, you know, the basic, uh, there's, there's, there's no sort of basic, I mean, what is the basic sort of like qualification that they need to have? No, right? It's just as long as you can read and you're interested. Am I right in saying that? Yes. <laughs> you 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 love reading. You want to share the joy of reading with somebody else. Uh, what we're looking for, what 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 we tell our volunteers is that this children, many of these children, the parents are so busy, like what we you know about. talked about earlier, right? And getting a phone call twice a week from someone is something that they look forward. You know, yeah. so so um, what we 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 get to know from the parents um, is that the the children who work with us are super excited. So if they know that they're going to have a call at 5 p.m. on Thursday, they're there half an hour before near the phone waiting for the phone to ring. (laughs) Um, Getting that call, just talking to somebody, um, you know, it's it's already something that is so amazing for these children. And 
that that's what basically we want. We want the, the volunteer to interact with the child, teaching the child to read, but also communication. So you're forcing the child to also answer questions. And we've had stories uh, from our volunteers that in the first few months, the child refuses to speak. The child will only listen, uh, you know, and uh, if even for simple questions like, hi, how are you? Um, how was your day today? Child doesn't say anything. The child's just like, you know, staring at the telephone very yeah, quietly. And then, Fast forward three, four months, the child picks up the phone and asks the volunteer, how are you and how was your day? And, you know, that's, that's like a great oh, success wonderful. already, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. so every child deserves or needs a champion. What we're looking for in our volunteers is to be the champion for these children for this six to eight months. Okay. And I just, uh, you know, it's just uh, going on from what you were talking about. So success stories, right? And you have had a lot. And I, I was just wondering if you can share maybe one or two stories of some children who, you know, have really uh, blossomed under this uh, under this program that you that you can share with us. Yeah. Yes. Um, one child from uh, PPR Sari Alam. Uh, when the child started with us in 2020, it was absolutely shy, um, struggles to read, has a bit of stuttering problem as well. Uh, the volunteer almost gave up a couple of times, will call me and say, I think I'm doing something completely wrong. Okay. Child's not responding at all. <laughs> you know, I think it's me, uh, you know, and I, and what I always tell the volunteers is that, well, be patient, give it some more time, give it some more time. Um, and from, from that, and the child was, I think, uh, it's not definitely not reading at grade level, very uh, poor reader. Uh, fast forward one year and the child was selected by the school to represent the school in public speaking competition. Wow. And I, I think that, that's, that's an amazing story, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's an amazing success uh, for the child. And imagine the self-esteem and the confidence of the child from uh, being one who's overlooked in the class for being, you know, not being able to read to being selected to participate in a public speaking competition. That's amazing. That's a wonderful, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you need a success story, where else do you need to look, right? That's a wonderful example of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and and I guess, you know, again, that confidence, right, that is so important as well, because it's not just about, OK, you need to learn to read. It's also about building up confidence. It's also about, you know, breaking sort of stigmas and, and you know, just improving the way they feel and they think as well. Right. So there's so many, uh, you know, facets to it as well, uh, which you guys are helping the students with, uh, which is amazing. That's really, really wonderful. And so there are different phases, as, as you mentioned. Um, are you guys uh, actively looking for volunteers, uh, you know, so that we can, uh, so I say we, so that you can expand the project uh, even further? Yes, definitely. So um, we're considering into 2023. Oh, yes, it's 2023 this year. Time yes. flies. <laughs> End of <laughs> January already. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> so, yes, 2023, definitely. Uh, and um, uh, we, we're looking for uh, close to 130 uh, volunteers uh, to come and work with us, uh, to support us and to teach children. To not, not just to support us, but to support children in Malaysia uh, to teach them reading. Um, as uh, We've also expanded a little bit. We're focusing on not just Project Baca Baca 6 to 9-year-olds. We also have another expansion, which is uh, Project Baca Baca Plus, where we focus on uh, slightly older children, age 11 to 12, uh, from vernacular schools to prepare them for to transition into uh, secondary national school. Uh, so getting them to read Basa uh, Melayu at grade level okay. and to reach um, the minimum 
Tak pencapaian 4, so they don't have to go into remedial class and they can transition directly into form 1. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the newer uh, project that we're going to say, the new project that we're going to start this year is Baca Baca Community. Like what Dr. Logan mentioned uh, earlier is that this, there are these two groups of children. One is uh, the ones who have uh, limited uh, well, who have some internet connection and what the volunteers do is that uh, they use a WhatsApp video call or a Google Meet to teach reading and then there's yeah, the group where they don't have uh, internet connection at all. Uh, so our volunteers will phone them. Okay. Uh, we send printed materials ahead to the child and the volunteer will phone them. And then we, re- we discovered, uh, you know, sometime last year, well, there's the third group. They have neither internet connection nor phone line oh, <laughs> you know so and we don't have to go far they are here yeah. uh, in uh, you know Kuala Selangor and Pathrawang and whatnot uh, you know so so we you know in, in the spirit of no child left behind right so so Baca Baca community now going to focus on this group of children where um, there is the phone line is patchy there is no internet connection and so we are going to train uh, some women in the community to be the reading coaches who can then teach the children from the community. So it's also women empowerment that we're bringing in into uh, this new 2023 project. Okay, so you guys will go in, you guys as, uh, as the teachers will go in and train the ladies and then they will uh, start teaching the kids. Is, is That's how it works. Okay, and that's, that's uh, launching this year or has it already started a little bit? Launching this year. Launching this year. Okay, excellent. And are you looking for volunteers uh, for that? I mean, I guess my question would be, you know, what help would be most useful uh, for you guys at Project Bacha Bacha from uh, from the public in general? Or are you looking for sponsorships? Yeah, what would be most helpful to you guys? I think, obviously, uh, we have to thank uh, our sponsors. Uh, without the, our sponsorship, we couldn't have... Uh, come so far because it costs money to print material, mail the, I mean, mailing the material is not cheap. Although we have free access to material, but printing them and mailing them to respective houses is not cheap. Uh, So we have some sponsors uh, and we have some people who sponsor in terms of books. So having additional funding, it will great help. But also mostly we are looking for volunteers because this is a human experience. Uh, so we really need more engaging human beings to be involved in this project. And there's no age limit. So if yeah. you're below 18, as long as you've got your parents' permission, uh, you know, please come and, volunteer. With and you. also this is a great uh, support for all the people who are experiencing uh, what empty nest syndrome. You know, your children have left, <laughs> you are, your children have migrated somewhere and you're alone yeah. and you feel that uh, you can just pick up the phone twice a week and call someone and have a chat. Uh, I think for retiree or semi-retired people, this is a great uh, way to keep uh, keep in contact with the community. Mm. And actually, Dr. Logan, I was going to ask you, you know, so your daughter, 14 years old, she's been volunteering, right? I mean, how yeah. has that been for her? You know, I mean, has she shared her experience with you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was, for her, a great learning experience in the sense that uh, she didn't know that uh, she is so privileged uh, because there are students who don't know how to count. You know, in standard one, you still don't know how to count. You don't know uh, basic English grammar. Even you, you know, another thing is many people think if you're Malay, then the reading Malay should be natural. Actually, it's not true mm. because the Malay language that you are exposed to is 
the state dialect that you come from or what we call Basa Pasa, right? Mm-hmm. So f- for them to go to school and listen to the teacher speak formal uh, Malay mm-hmm. is also a challenge. Mm-hmm. So uh, my daughter was, I mean, the awareness that she went through was that, you no, know, she's so, so much so privileged because she knows how to read, she knows how to count, she knows how to do this. And all this was taken naturally from year one. Yeah. Uh, so like, for example, during Ramadan month, the girl has the girl's parents were running a stall, so the girl had to go and sleep under the stall to have the reading bache bache because the mother didn't want to leave the child alone in the house apartment. Oh so 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 when she saw that, she realized that you know the uh, the diest the the situation where you had to follow your parents to work, you had to find a, a, a corner to sit quietly under even even if it's in under the stall where that's the most quietest place you can find mm-hmm. those things were i mean most middle class kids will never realize that this is the reality for some yeah. i think that itself is it's a eye opener okay all right. So definitely, you know, it's a it's a win-win situation. I think everyone will benefit yes. from this. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful program. So, you know, if anyone listening would like to get in touch with you guys, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, so they can email me or they can email uh, projectbachabacha at uni.tainers.edu.my okay. uh, and we will then get back to them and... Uh, go through the process of getting to know them and welcoming them to be part of the project. Yeah, they can also follow us on Instagram, Project Bacha Bacha, and from there, it will lead them to the uh, sign-up form. I think that will be easier. Yes. Okay. Uh, sorry, Dr. Logan, you wanted to say something? No. Uh, the most importantly, the volunteers have to be committed la, because the kids are also committed to you for a year. Mm. Um, I mean, we are talking about six to eight months. So... Uh, it shouldn't be a transition, a feel-good moment, and then you drop out halfway. Then the kids get demoralized. Because as it is, the kids have other challenges in life. The last thing they want to know is someone comes in and then you know drops them off. Mm-hmm. As long as what Hema said, if you are patient and you're willing to take go the mind, go the distance, they will eventually come around. So that is the most essential partner okay. to go the distance. Okay. All right. And, 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 you know, even if they are feeling discouraged, like the student is not responding, you know, there, you know, yes. you can reach out to you guys, you know, there right. is a support system, uh, yeah, to help you sort of get back yeah. on track and yeah, to realize, yeah, it's just, it's just things take time sometimes. Because right? people, uh, as I said, if you're in a middle class community, you don't realize how weak some of the students are. Mm. So mm. going back to my daughter's example, um, the student that she was tutoring didn't even know that number 23 exists. Because the mm-hmm. teacher just taught her a very simplistic 1 to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Oh, wow. So all the in-between uh, is up to you to figure out yourself. So when the, when the daughter say, daughter's, what's the date today? The child wouldn't know how to say 23rd because she, she, 23rd is not part of her vocabulary. Okay. Right? So going through the process of working with her on a number system, make sure that she understands the number system in English, and it, it's it's something that uh, you need to be patient now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the weak ones are exceptionally weak. But, you know, like you said, it, it just requires some patience, right? It's not that... Correct. Yeah, it yeah. just, yeah. It's, they haven't had the opportunity to learn that's basically it. Correct. So it just takes some time and some patience. And yeah, and you've seen wonderful results, you know, clearly from this project yeah. alone. Yeah? yeah. Yes. It, it's just the opportunity. And there's just... What we're looking for is just volunteers to come on board and say, hey, okay, you know, uh, we're in this, we're part of this together, let's do it. You know, I'm going to teach you reading uh, in six to seven months. 
you know, when when you work with one person consistently, um, you'll definitely see some improvement, some positive results. There will be improvement. Uh, what this student don't have is that someone. So what we are looking for is that someone, you know, every child needs that someone. All right. So, you know, just hit, just search for Project Bacha Bacha. Just look uh, on Instagram and that will lead you to yes. all the uh, all the right links. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. Before I let you both go, any last message that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Nothing. No? I mean, re- <laughs> reading is a... volunteer. <laughs> yeah, please volunteer. But reading is an important asset to have. And I hope we invest in reading. Because it's, it's the single tool that I can think of that can change the world ability to read because you get ideas through reading yeah you get uh, the world opens up and if you can read mm-hmm. uh, i personally know this because i'm dyslexic so reading was never easy for me so it took a lot of effort to learn to read uh, even now i struggle with reading and writing but the point is uh, it was ma- it's manageable so the world opens up only if you know how to read Thank you so much uh, for sharing, uh, both of you, for sharing uh, all of that with us today. I've been speaking to Dr. Logendra Stanley Ponaya, Director of the Impact Lab Education for All from Taylor's University. Hema Lechmanen, the Project Leader for Project Bacha Bacha, also from Taylor's University. If you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash learn, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.